Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There is a common misconception that bees are scary and or dangerous. No way. You know, I really wanted to make sure it was okay. And to our surprise, people love bees. So there's all different kinds of initiatives that are helping our pollinators. There is a group right here in Detroit that's world famous for their work with the ever versatile bee. This is The Daily J. I'm Zach Clark. Growing up when I did, I was traumatized by the movie My Girl, Macaulay Culkin's character killed by a swarm of bees. But in reality, without bees, we'd not have a food source. My usual partner in storytelling crime, Annie Scaramazzino and I, were inspired by a springtime movement in Metro Detroit and a feisty nonprofit. Annie, you know this. I live in Ferndale, and I was walking up and down my street in late April, and I began to see these signs about No Mow May popping up. And I'd heard of it before. You'd seen them previous years in Ann Arbor and Hazel Park and Royal Oak and other places, too. It's pretty simple, in theory at least. The thought is that if you don't cut your grass for a month, the environment will benefit. Right. With No Mow May, it's obviously no mowing your lawn, May. But I wonder initially how many people connect that to, you know, the importance of honeybees and pollinators in our area and what that actually means for them when you wait a little bit longer to mow your lawn or pull your weeds. To get to the bottom of it, we talked to Ferndale Mayor Pro Tem, Kat Brunner-James, and she's got some answers. Where I thought No Mow May would really have the highest impact is really the conversation that it's starting, putting it in that broader context of, you know, mowing your lawn less is one of the things that you can do to help the overwintering insects that haven't emerged yet. It can help the pollinators. But here are some other things that you can do, like planned natural landscaping, like native species, avoiding invasive non-native species, using natural fertilizers, so I'm pretty pleased with how the no mo may simple small slice has actually, I think, really helped generate the broader conversation. You know that I live in Ferndale, Annie, and I know that you don't love bees, at least not being around thousands of swarming bees. So what happens next? It wasn't exactly easy for you. No, I've been afraid of bees my entire life. I will run like a small child away from a bee if it starts to circle me. It's not for any particular reason except for the fact that I think I'm just afraid of getting stung. So when we talked about doing this episode, Zach, I think part of it was, you know, me wanting to push myself a little bit out of that comfort zone. 
Because of course, I've heard time and time again, you know, bees are good for our environment, you know, save the bees, protect the bees. But, you know, I wanted to learn a little bit more about that. And again, I wanted to use it as an opportunity to maybe do a little exposure therapy and see if I could kind of get this fear out of me. They may come right up to your veil. Okay. Just ignore them. They're just checking you out. If you feel a tunk up on your thing, that's their way of saying, okay, you've kind of overextended your welcome. And there's no better person to do that with than Brian Peterson Roost, the co-founder of Bees in the D. He is one of the most passionate people you'll ever meet. And it doesn't matter what we're talking about. His passion rivals anybody doing anything. And he had us on the roof of this gorgeous Albert Kahn building. We're four stories up near Belle Isle, and we got to learn all about the bees. The way that it was all landscaped up there, just all of it, you know, it was absolutely beautiful. But like you said, Brian is the absolute perfect person. First of all, just want to learn about bees and learn about this entire practice, this hobby, this community around beekeeping. At the end of the day, it wasn't so bad, was it? It was not so bad. There was like one moment where I was kind of like starting to get a little bit nervous. But in general, you know, we were very protected in our suits. It was a really cool opportunity to kind of like get again up close and personal to experience what it's like to see the inside of a hive. I mean, that was crazy. Brian definitely, he's a good person to walk you through an experience like that, especially if you're a little bit nervous. And he was just fantastic. Now, are you shocked at there's not one bee around you? I am. Like, did you expect them to be all over you? No. That's the misconception about honeybees. They really are docile creatures. They learn their beekeepers. Notice how I'm going nice and slow. Bees are just genetically a little bit different. They definitely didn't like that. Yeah, I might be closer to the queen. And if I'm obviously threatening the queen, they're gonna be a little bit more defensive. There's that word again. You don't like to use aggressive because really bee species are not aggressive they are defensive just like you would be exactly thank you for saying that that's about what i was just gonna say When it comes to species on this planet, bees are so useful, and it doesn't start or stop with just honey. Here's one thing that we learned, and I did not know this. Here in Michigan, bees are treated like cows and pigs and chickens, like livestock. And at first you're like, hmm, bugs, livestock. When you think about a producer, it makes sense. Bees were reclassified as livestock because they are a managed species. Just like you said, we manage chickens. And so I have had the privilege of going and speaking to some of the students that are at Michigan State University, U of M, that are in their vet school, because all of a sudden it's throwing many vets for a twist. Our vet of our dog that's on Jefferson right in Detroit has called us on a few occasions and said, "Um, yeah, I've got a beekeeper that needs antibiotics for their hives. Help? (laughs) Because it's, it's new. They get sick and get diseases just as easy as other animals and so we have to try to keep them healthy it's actually a law in the u.s that you have to have hives with removable frames so that you can inspect them you have a responsibility as a beekeeper to keep your hives healthy honeybees are responsible for about one-third of the food eaten by americans which is crazy and we have over 400 species of bees just here in michigan alone we've got people like brian and organizations like bees in the d that are harvesting honey from the hives So actually, even though it's kind of surprising at first, when you think farm, you don't necessarily think bugs, it makes a lot of sense that they would be treated the same way as something like pigs or cows. 
so much of what Brian and Bees in the D do, Annie, it's all about education. And, you know, that really does go both ways. Brian teaches people about bees. He taught us about bees. But he's also always learning. And that was one of my favorite parts about this story is these little bees have taken him all over the world. It's amazing. It is incredible. And again, Brian is such a perfect person to be doing the education portion of this, too. He's really well suited in all aspects of this organization for the passion part of it and, of course, the actual practice of the beekeeping, but then the education portion of it, too, because he is also a teacher. So he was just fantastic at walking us through all the things that he taught us. And I went home later and was telling my partner, like, did you know this? And did you know this about bees? I was really excited about it, honestly. And we were only there for about an hour and he taught us so much. So, you know, he's really educating people of all ages about, you know, how incredibly helpful and useful bees can be to us and our environment. But he's also creating this community, you know, he's part of this sort of international community of beekeepers, and it's taken him all around the world. And it's also brought people from all around the world to Detroit. What do you call that when the wine people that study? Yes, they're now doing that with honey. And so we were invited out to Connecticut. There's a lady that does honey, and she's an expert. We're doing a three, four-day crash course. I mean, it's literally almost 12 hours a day. And we're just going to be tasting honeys to look for the different notes and flavors. And then our second half of our training, you actually have to go to Italy and learn under a gentleman oh, no. there. I know, shocks, right? <laughs> right? And I don't know if you uh, knew, but last year we had a fellow from Argentina, Anna. She has a honey business down there. And in March, we got to go down to Argentina and beekeep with their hives and the stingless honeybees, which was so cool. Right now, we have a fellow from Costa Rica. We are hopeful that we'll be chosen to do the reverse fellowship and go down to Costa Rica. These little creatures have opened up the world for me. I mean, it's just so amazing. So not only is this hobby and this awesome, you know, nonprofit taking Brian to other amazing places and countries, it's also bringing people here to see Detroit and, you know, see what we've got going on in our city. One of the topics that you and I explore often when we do these podcasts together is how much Detroit loves Detroit. It's almost a sickness, but like in the best way possible. And what Bees in the D does, it feeds and fits right into that concept. Oh, absolutely. And what was so cool is that when Brian was opening up the hive and showing us the bees at work, they were not even bothered by us. They were too busy working and making just like Detroiters. Even the bees in Detroit are hardworking. Detroit is amazing, and we are becoming a leader in urban beekeeping and urban farming. The food scene here is amazing, and our honey from hives is used all throughout the city. Detroit, the city that makes cars, it can stop short of that. It's a city that makes. Oh, I love that. We can make anything, and like, you know, uh, artisanal honey is one of those things. And I'm going to tell you also, the grassroot efforts in Detroit is like no other. I love New York City. We go quite often to the Bee Conservancy. We work with them and Best Bees, but there's something about Detroit that it's a big city that feels small. We are so intertwined. Detroit takes care of Detroit. We don't just live in Detroit. We're part of Detroit. We want to support local, and I love that in Detroit, that's a theme. This episode, it started with a concept, Nomo May, with the intent to educate people 
on how best to take care of the environment and not just the bees and not just the pollinators, but the environment in which we live. And awareness, Annie, is everything. And Brian made a great point about bees and pandas. When you think about it, you're like, what do they have in common? But then he explained it and it, it made perfect sense. Part of what Brian has done and, you know, members of his community within the beekeeping community, they get calls from other locations, businesses, buildings saying we have bees in our yard. We've got bees that have built a hive in somewhere we don't want it. Will you please extract that and take them somewhere safe? And in the past, they might have just sprayed it with some sort of pesticide and killed them. You know, I really wanted to make sure it was okay. And to our surprise, people love bees. I kind of call them the new pandas. Remember that big push with the pandas with the World Wildlife Federation? It worked. Pandas are, they're on the uprise and people loved them. Well, now the Save the Bees campaign has gotten so like out there. And we're just trying to help people to realize that it goes beyond honeybees. You know, it's not save the honeybees, it's save bees. And all of our pollinators are important and people are starting to understand that narrative as well. And that we can have a part in that by not, you know, pulling all the weeds or spraying pesticides or cleaning up our yard too soon in the spring or, you know, no mow May. So there's all different kinds of initiatives that are helping our pollinators. And I keep saying pollinators because it, it includes butterflies. You know, our monarchs are hurting as well. You know, Annie, when we talk about takeaways from this story, there's a lot of them here. I mean, what Bees in the D does is awesome. What people in Detroit are capable of doing is awesome. We learned that bees were the original inspiration for your air conditioning unit in your house, which is awesome. We learned so much. But I think in the theme of other episodes we've done, like I mentioned before, it's the communal Detroit taking care of itself and reaching out to other people to bring them together. I mean, if you look at what Bees in the D has done, they've worked with Detroit City Distillery. They've worked with Bon Bon Bon. You'll find their honey in all kinds of restaurants. Doing Detroit the way Detroit only knows how, and that's taking care of itself. Yeah, I mean, I love the thought of us being this like self-sufficient city and community where it's all feeding back into itself. But the fact that like people are coming here from across the world to be a part of this beekeeping community is just so cool to me. You know, the way that Bees in the D started so small, they placed six hives in 2016 and have now grown to over 200 hives at over 60 locations across five counties. That's pretty incredible. So it just really goes to show, you know, when a Detroiter decides to do something, when they get a bee in their bonnet, if you will, really what they can do. And and Bees in the D is a great example of that. So there's only one question left, Annie, and that is the next time you're doing whatever you're doing outside, you see the bee, do you still run? I don't know. I hope not. (laughs) I think now that I know, especially through Brian, that they will leave you alone if you leave them alone, that I'm going to try to brave it out and just, can I say, let them be? (laughs) Today's big thanks go out to Brian Peterson Roost, Kat Brunner James, and of course, Annie Scaramazzino. Check out WWJNewsRadio.com for the top local news stories on demand 24 7. Do you want the Daily J delivered right to you? Text WWJ to 20357 and you'll get it instantly. Message and data rates may apply. I'm Zach Clark. And this is The Daily J. Thanks for listening. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. 
Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.